You are listening to Geek Fest Rants on the IC Robots Radio Network. You have located Geek Fest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Charlton Heston discovers a world turned upside down. The world he finds out in the galaxy will challenge every idea you've ever had of civilization. A planet where the superior beings are apes. They build the cities, make the laws, the gods, and control the guns that hunt a race of lowly, terrified humans who run wild in the jungles, are caged in the prisons, and stuffed in the museum. 20th Century Fox transforms the motion picture screen into Planet of the Apes, starring Charlton Heston, Roddy McDowell, Kim Hunter, and Maurice Evans. Planet of the Apes, beyond your wildest dreams. everybody and welcome once again to GeekFest Rants. My name is Carlos Perone and today we are going to be looking at a toy line and guess what it's not Star Wars for a change. We are delving into Planet of the Apes. I have a pretty full line of Medicom Planet of the Apes action figures that came out uh, somewhere in the early 2000s and we are going to go figure by figure into this particular line. There are many lines and I'll discuss all of them, but this is the one that I kind of gravitated the most towards and I am very, very happy to this day with that particular selection, even though there are some great stuff being put out nowadays. Planet of the Apes is one of the pillars of modern science fiction and it's just one of these movies that you cannot, or at least myself, cannot resist going back to and back to time and time again. It has five films to pick from and Kind of like the Star Wars saga, you have your your super strong ones and your not so strong ones too, but it is easily a franchise that is so simple to kind of fall back into. It's uh, kind of like comfort food, if you will. Uh, you have television versions, you have animated versions, many, many film franchise clusters that they've made, not just the first one, but following in future ones, they made so many other ones, even very recently. And it's something that I hope will continue because it is such a great sci-fi classic story. So let's go right into the Planet of the Apes Medicom action figures. You can collect them all. You are a toy! Battery's not included. Details on specially marked packages at participating stores. Is that the six million dollar man's boss? It's Oscar Goldman. Why do you have that? That's worth a lot of money. That's much more valuable than Steve Austin. Action figures each sold separately. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Some assembly required. All your favorite Star Wars heroes and villains. I have three of each. One to display, one to open, and one just in case. For today's collectible segment, we are going to take a look at Planet of the Ape action figures. Now, if you are a collector of Planet of the Apes action figures, you're probably wondering which ones. The old ones, the first ones, the, the ones around 2000, the ones that are out now, you know, which ones are we talking about? Well, we are talking about the Medicom Japanese line of action figures. This is a line that came out late in the game, if you will, but it's not their fault. It's because that's just when they finally were able to put out figures of this quality. The original Planet of the Apes action figures are the Miko ones, the ones that more or less are credited for kind of starting the entire movie tie-in, licensing, merchandising wave that to this day continues of taking a 
popular movie and sometimes a not so popular movie and creating merchandise for it, licensing out the brand to a company to create some kind of toy or t-shirt or poster or something, some merchandisable item that helps to not only promote the movie, but generate money for the movie too. Well, even though Star Wars is considered to be the granddaddy of all merchandisable films, the first one that really did it effectively was Planet of the Apes. But even that didn't work timing-wise exactly as you would imagine. And by that I mean, by the time the Mego figures, which are kind of dolls really, I mean, it's the Mego line is a strange line in terms of back then they hadn't settled yet on a more popular type of action figure. They were still kind of coming off of the doll size for, you know, kids playing figures. You know, you had your G.I. Joes, your large size G.I. Joes, your Action Jacksons, you know, all, the, all those larger size ones. But then with Mego, they decided to take it down a notch. In other words, make them a little smaller. I don't know, maybe about six or seven inches long. But remain with the fully articulated bodies, the sculpted heads, of course, and the cloth-covered uniform costumes, whatever you call it, you know, for these action figure dolls. And they put out a whole slew of Planet of the Apes-related action figures and playsets. Now, this came out around 1973, I think, 74. This is We're talking about the early 70s here. But the movie came out in the late 60s. And, you know, its sequels, you know, followed and followed and followed. But for some reason, they couldn't get their act together. Now, I'm not sure if it was because of the licensing wasn't ready. They weren't ready to commit to licensing a toy. But it kind of seemed to coincide with the end of the franchise, around the time of the fifth film, I believe, and around the time of the television series. As a matter of fact, some of those television characters were included in the Mego line. And it also continued a little bit through the animated show, which I think also lasted maybe about a year. It wasn't very popular, but it kind of kept the franchise going for a while. And after that, it all seemed to kind of die down. Star Wars came and overtook everything, as usual. But it's important to remember that Planet of the Apes had a pretty successful run. Again, not Star Wars size, but a pretty successful run with their Mego line. Now... A couple of things come after Mego, but you're going to have to wait quite a while for them to happen. Now, throughout this time, obviously, you know, people are putting out all kinds of materials, statues and this and that, and, you know, individual type of things. And those really don't count as far as I'm concerned, because I'm trying to kind of focus on action figures, something that actually is a line, a series of more or less playable toys. Well, the first noticeable one came from a company called Medicom. And that is the one I'm going to be highlighting today. And this will be different than some of the future ones. Because after Medicom, which was based on the original Planet of the Apes films, television show, and so forth. You know, all of that original material. You also had the Planet of the Apes movie, the Tim Burton film, also from the early 2000s. This one was done by Hasbro. And the quality of those are very, very super modern. I would go as far as to say that they're almost McFarlane-like. And I know I like to use the McFarlane name for a lot of things just to describe the quality, the style. You know, McFarlane is not a three and three-quarter inch guy. He's also not a Miko guy. He has his own style that he put out there and a lot of other companies copied it successfully. But these are a little more high-end, more articulated, super, super detailed, lots of... Uh, layers of clothing and um, costuming, accessories, you name it. Super action poses. You know, they're really the next evolutionary step, I would say, after Star Wars. After the three and three quarter figure, McFarlane is what comes next. At least that style. So yeah, the Burton movie would be the next wave of figures that you, you probably see out there. And more recently, NECA, NECA, I believe... They put out a couple of different waves, starting with the reboot of Planet of the Apes, where you had the Caesar character, you know, the, the more modern one that's it's more ape-like, you know, than anything else. 
they put out a whole bunch of those. Again, super detailed, super, super detailed. And then they decided to go back and start from scratch and introduce the original movies with those original characters. Now, again, with, with McFarlane's, you're dealing with, I don't know, again, maybe about six inches, five inches, depending on the character. These more modern ones also, the NECA ones, are also in that scale, more or less. And I would say they kind of do follow that McFarlane super detail quality. However, with their original line, you know, they, they really, really did a fantastic job with their sculpting. The likenesses are so much more accurate than I've ever seen them before. But I didn't dip into those because of, as usual, the fear of there's going to be just so many of them that it's just going to drive you absolutely insane. And they do have the potential to go pretty crazy. Now, while this is all happening, at the same time, now, Reaction, the company that we've talked about in the past, they did their own version of three and three quarter, you know, vintage throwback, five points of articulation style figures. They're very simple. They're very vintage if you will, because that's the whole thing. And they've also started from the beginning. They went to the beginning, the first film, and they're working their way forward through some of those. We'll see how long that one goes. But we are going to talk about that a little later. Let's focus on Medicom, because those are the ones that I got many years ago. And this is a time where I was I was looking for, you know, to see if anybody actually was making nice-looking figures, you know, for Planet of the Apes. And, you know, on the internet, searching and searching, that's what I seem to have found that uh, there was a company that were a little hard to get. In other words, you weren't going to find these at a regular Toys R Us or KB or whatever was around that time. These were going to have to be ordered online from specialty stores. I think I got most of mine from eBay. They're a little more expensive than your typical figure. They seem to come in waves at the time. But, you know, when I got them, they were already all out there. So I wasn't that concerned about going one wave at a time or, you know, waiting for the new wave to come or anything like that. Because no, they were all already out there. But they were released in a certain order. Or at least they were grouped together in a certain way. Before I get into the specifics of the different characters produced, let me just tell you a little bit about the style. Most of these figures, I would say, are three points of articulation, which is an unusual design, if you will. I think they're somewhere between statuesque and actually action figure-ish, <laughs> if you will. Their articulation basically focuses most on neck and arms, arm joints. Legs, no articulation. No wrists, no ankles, nothing like that. What you end up getting by limiting the amount of articulation is that they are able to sculpt their figures much, much nicer than ever before. They're able to hide their seam lines, if you will. Some figures will have extra articulation, some will have even less articulation, believe it or not. Some of them look just like little sculpted statues. Not so much action figures, but little statues. That's how beautiful these are. And overall, what they give you is a representation of most of the original material that was out there. Not complete, because there are plenty of things they could have added that I will mention later. But what they give you is really high-end quality, especially for its time. That's the thing to keep in mind here is that, yes, the current NECA figures are in one way much better looking, especially with the facial sculpts, than these Metacoms. But these Metacoms, by, in my opinion, by not going crazy with the articulation... They are able to sculpt them in a certain posture, in a certain way, in a certain proportion. You know, the leg to body proportions are the most accurate, I think, that are out there, period. The neck is stuff, like I said, the detail looks a lot better. But because they wanted to keep a high articulation point, especially on the waist, on the legs, on the knees, and the joints, all that stuff, they have to sacrifice a little bit of the look of the actual figure because of the fact that you have so much articulation that it, you know, it's a little distracting when you really, really look at it. In other words, you could look at the, the face sculpt and say, wow, this is just amazing how 
perfect the face sculpt is, you know, there's not a lot of articulation on a face. A face is a face. That's it. They don't go into, you know, there is no jaws or, or eyes or cheeks or anything that has to be articulated. It's just one sculpt. The problem is that when you start articulating other parts of the body, all of a sudden now you're adding so many more points that have to create seams. And that's always a distraction when it comes to accuracy. For all kinds of figures, don't get me wrong. I mean, whether it's a five-point of articulation or a multi-articulation three and three-quarter, Miko size, McFarlane's, you name it. Whenever you start throwing joints and seams, that's when it, it, the figure will start to lose some of its accuracy. For these figures, like I said, because they have such limited articulation, most of them, to me, they, they look like little sculptures. Just like, They're just amazing-looking little sculptures. Now, what's different about the line also is that not only do you have a set of figures, eh, I would say around 20, more or less. There's a couple of variants and repaints and that sort of thing, but I would say it's about 20 that we're going to talk about. You also have one that is the Lawgiver statue. And it is more or less, I think, in proportion to what these figures look like. It is much taller than the regular figures. If you would imagine that the average ape is about five feet tall, I would say that the lawgiver is probably about seven feet tall. Now, in the movie, I'm not entirely sure if that lawgiver statue, depending on which film you're thinking of, was much taller. I'm not entirely sure. But it works pretty well here for these purposes. It is tan-colored because... I guess it's the, supposed to be the, the, the stone that it was uh, carved out of. And what's interesting is that the it technically comes with accessories, if you will. It has a little table where I guess the scrolls, the simian scrolls have been written. And that is removable. That is, you know, you, you can separate that from the statue or put it together. And there's extra scrolls on the floor that are standing up. Again, another little separate accessory. And it is just a great, great representation of the entire line as far as I'm concerned. So let's look at some of the main characters here. Charlton Heston's tailor comes in two variations. You have the astronaut tailor, which is the white suit, clean, you know, hair slicked back, shaven. He's wearing a little astronaut backpack, I guess, like a survival gear backpack. And this particular figure, as I mentioned before, has the articulation we mentioned, the three points, but it also has a couple of extras. It has an actual waist articulation, which is kind of unusual because it doesn't seem to rotate all the way. It just gives him a little bit of a waist rotation, which is, again, it's really odd why they would do that. He's also very tall. This is one of the few shortcomings I think of this series is that the apes are all in proportion to each other, but I think that with the human one of the two different humans that were produced, they made him a little too tall. Now, I know Charlton Heston is a tall guy, was a tall guy, but something tells me they went a little too much. I mean, he, he looks like he's almost over a foot taller than Cornelius, uh, played by Roddy McDowell. Now, again, I'm not sure how tall these two actors were, but again, I, I don't think they're supposed to be that tall. Uh, granted that a lot of the apes are walking kind of hunched a little bit. You know, there's a little bit of a hunch so that maybe the hunch kind of makes up a bigger difference in size. It's possible. You never know. But uh, that's the thing about the character. Now, the likeness, I don't really think he looks too much like Charlton Heston, to tell you the truth. And it wouldn't surprise me because many times in the past, especially with Charlton Heston, there have been issues where... If they do not license out the likeness, they can only license out the character. So they purposely have to make them look different. This way, you know, they don't get in legal trouble. This is something that happened, I believe, with the comic book that I reviewed a while back. How different he looked in the comic book. And again, I think this is all likenesses related. I'm not sure if they had or hadn't had because it really doesn't look like him. I mean, to me, it doesn't. I mean... It looks to him like him a little bit, but really it doesn't. So that is the only little shortcoming is that, uh, and this is something that happens all the time, and I mentioned it a million times, when creating action figures, the best ones are usually the robots and the creatures. 
because the sculpting can be amazing. When you're starting to do humans and you're starting to, on purpose, mimic a likeness, you can kind of sometimes miss the target. But when you are purposely making it look different, it could be worse because you could kind of start thinking, wow, they really didn't sculpt them right, when in all reality, it was sculpted on purpose to look different. One of the other issues that I'm having with some of these figures, and I think I might have had it in the past, is that some of them are a little difficult to stand. They, they seem to tip over quite a bit. So uh, I'm still in the process of trying to figure out how to make some of these stand a little easier. I don't know if I might have to heat up uh, the legs, you know, boil them in hot water and then kind of bend them a little bit to try to see if I can get a little more of a, of a balance to them because um, they just seem to kind of, no matter how much I bend the, the, the ankle or the foot, they seem to kind of go back to where they were and they, you know, tip over. Now, the other version of Taylor that we have here is him in like a lion cloth. You know, he's like the savage. He's wearing a, a, some sort of a neck restraint and a, and a rope, which I guess is supposed to be from the movie. Again, after he's caught and captured, he's kind of slightly dirty, almost practically naked, except for the lion cloth. His hair is much darker. He's got a beard and a mustache, you know, as we see him you know, degrade, I guess, during the film. They were able to remain in proportion to him, to the previous one. The likeness is pretty much the same as the other one. Again, it is not exactly uh, Charlton Heston, because I guess, like I said before, I think there was a rights issue. Now, what's interesting here is that the articulation practically disappears on this figure. You have neck articulation, but guess what? No shoulders, again, no leg, and no waist. So this is a one point of articulation figure. Now you might say, well, why? Why would they choose to go the other way? Well, my theory is that because he's shirtless in this sculpt, they didn't want to add extra seams and extra articulation points. He is more like a little statue, if you will. So that is my only theory as to why, you know, they, they went in that direction. You know, would it help to have articulated arms? Yeah, of course it would help in terms of playability. But something tells me a, a lot of these figures are not so much... I mean, granted, this is an era now where we're getting away from the kitty playability factor and more into the collector factor. This is more for people that want to have these displayed. Some of them maybe not even out of the package. And if they are out of the package, they're going to be just sitting on a shelf somewhere or something in a display format like I do. So that is probably why they did that. And the other thing you got to keep in mind also is that the less articulation the cheaper it is to make these. So they're cheaper that way too. So they are able to save money in that manner too. But I'm glad that they didn't go crazy with limiting the articulation across the board just for the sake of saving money. There's going to be plenty of figures here we're going to talk about that have lots of articulation. But yeah, this one's pretty nice. Again, I'm having a similar issue with him. He is kind of tall. Uh, his legs are pretty thin and he doesn't seem to stand up very well. I have to figure out a way of keeping him standing up. I might have to use a little blue tack underneath so I can kind of stick him to the uh, shelf that I'm using. Or I might have to, like I mentioned earlier, maybe I have to boil the legs a little, put them in hot water so I can maybe bend uh, the plastic a little. All right, up next we have Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is an interesting character. First of all, it is fantastic. The sculpt is fantastic. The posture is fantastic. As far as the articulation goes, I would consider him a three-point of articulation character. Head and shoulders, obviously. There is a very slight pivot in the hips, but it is just... I believe the connection between the two molds, or really the, the five molds when you take all the different pieces apart, but it does not give you any considerable hip articulation like you had with Taylor and, and the full, I would say, maybe 90-degree hip rotation. You couldn't go all the way around because of the shape of the body, but at least you could kind of pivot left and right. With Cornelius, you can't do that. There are no accessories attached included with him. The one that I own, he is wearing a green outfit, which is the more traditional outfit that we've seen in the movie and in most of the other incarnations, whether it's the TV show or whatever. What's interesting about Cornelius is that apparently they also sold a variant, and I mentioned before, we are going to talk about some variants, that is basically the same sculpt, except he's wearing a dark green costume. Now, I don't remember for sure what that is in reference to. I don't know if it's referencing a certain 
movie, which I can't remember, or a certain scene in the television show, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, you guys know how I feel about variants and recoloring and that kind of thing. It's it, To me, it always strikes me as a little bit of a cash grab, but whatever. I don't have that one. It shows up on some collector's lists, but I, I definitely don't have one. But he is really good. Now, the thing that's interesting about Cornelius, and I wonder if that's something that it was done on purpose to kind of, as a little shortcut, his frow, his face, he looks kind of angry. <laughs> Let me put it that way. He looks more like Caesar. Granted, it's played by the same actor. Slightly different prosthetic applications, I assume. You know, he 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 does look a lot. He he resembles more the Caesar character, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I I only wish they would have made his face a little happier because he's he's a he's a curious, happy kind of character if you think about it. You know, before the the whole series kind of takes a dark turn, but they chose to kind of give him that look. You know, his eyes are frow looking up, kind of, and his, his eyebrows are kind of down. So he's got that menace, like almost menacing look to him. So that's that's really interesting. He's definitely a character that I had to modify the feet so he could stand. What I ended up doing, because I tried doing the, uh, the blue tack, and the blue tack, uh, after a while, it just unstuck itself. And it just peeled and fell, and he fell backwards, just like the other Taylor ones that I have. What I ended up doing was I put a little glob of blue tack on the heel, flattened it out a little bit, and then took a toothpick, a very small, like a half a centimeter long piece of toothpick and attached it to the blue tack. So it basically what I did is I gave him heels. I gave him a heel so that the back of his feet are propped up a little to kind of propel him forward, to balancing forward. And that seems to be working for a lot of these characters that are having problems standing up. So again, Caesar, you have two versions. I only own one. Next, you have Zira. Only one version of Zira. Again, a magnificent sculpt. It is just fantastic. The face is spot on how really well sculpted it is. You have neck articulation and that's it. She is one of these characters similar to Taylor, the uh, the almost naked Taylor, where they only went with one point of articulation. Strange choice. Uh, she is wearing a robe, so maybe part of it is that they wanted to preserve the full look of the robe without any seams. I could see it either way. They could have gone in either direction. But, you know, it's a great companion piece to the Cornelius figure. Now, with Taylor, the only other human here that you see that they released is Nova. The likeness is very, very good. I would say even it's it's almost closer than the Charlton Heston uh, likeness. The actress, I, Harrison, I, her last name was Harrison, I believe. They went with a very good likeness of it. She's wearing a very skimpy outfit, which she kind of does in the movie. I had to also, just like with Zira and Cornelius and Taylor, I had to add the little globs, you know, of blue tack and the heels to, to kind of prop her up better. Didn't have to add the, the toothpicks on her because it was such a minuscule difference uh, in order to keep her up. Now, her points of articulation are, let's see if you can guess, one, two, three, no, none. She has no articulation whatsoever, which I can kind of understand why they didn't do the head because what happens here is she's got very long hair and if you were to articulate the neck, it would there would be nowhere for her to move because the hair is so long over her shoulders, down her back, that it would not allow the head to turn. So it was kind of like a pointless thing. Now, here's one thing that I don't understand. Obviously, there are joints, even though that, you know, we're looking at this piece and these figures are manufactured in pieces. You usually have legs, arms, a torso, and a head. And whether or not they choose to articulate those, that's up to the manufacturer. Her figure clearly has seams in the shoulders, and you see her shoulders and her arms. So it is not like Taylor, who at least in the chest area, I really can't see too much, you know, in the legs, because he's wearing a, a line cloth, and you can't really see too much where the joints are taking place. But his shoulders, there's no seams. It was like one complete sculpt. Her shoulders have seams. However, you cannot articulate the arms. So I'm wondering, why would they bother to 
sculpt her in at least the torso in in three pieces, two arms, you know, four pieces really, arms, head, and torso. If you then don't have any intention whatsoever of articulating the arms, I can see why they didn't articulate the head because of the fact that they have that problem with the with the hair. But the arms could have been articulated because we already see the seam pretty much. I could see the seam right there, so I don't understand why they went that direction. Nevertheless, as a little statue, which what a lot of these are more like, it's a fantastic figure. It's a great figure. It's a great likeness. Again, the proportion, when you look at Taylor, especially the almost naked Taylor, I still think he's way too big. Like, her waist is almost like the size of his head. It is just so somewhat out of proportion. But again, she's an excellent, excellent figure. You got to have a bad guy, at least in the, you know, you always got to have a bad guy. That's usually sometimes the most... uh popular character but in this particular case they give us an ape soldier one of many ape soldiers here this particular ape soldier has um, let's see let me go through the accessories first he's got like a little billy club that he can hang from the side of the shoulder belt he's got a a traditional planet of the apes rifle those wooden fat rifles because remember in this stage of the game even though they do have some modern if you can call modern technology it's recreated almost completely on their own. There's a lot of wood being used here in this initial film because they kind of purge themselves, and that's part of the surprise of the film, is that they purge themselves of most human technology and they uh, original technology, and then they kind of redo it in their own image, if you will. So the rifles purposely look bigger. They don't look different. They, they, a lot less metal is shown. You know, They don't look like a, rifle, a modern rifle, or at least a modern rifle from the 60s so you got him very nice sculpt four points of articulation you got here including head arms and hips again remember we're not dealing with individual legs here uh, on these figures if you get that extra articulation it usually comes in the form of the hips then you have dr zayas great <laughs> Great sculpt, uh, a different looking character. And again, this is something that uh, that's happened a number of times, especially in the film, is that you don't see a lot of uh, the orangutan race of apes uh, other than the, the, the council, the, the court, if you will, scene. But as far as the figures go, they only made him, you know, he is a very important character in the film. No accessories. He has, let's see, uh, three points of articulation, head and shoulders. Uh, that's where you'll find it. Looks really good. The face is very, very, again, pretty accurate how they did it. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the new ones, uh, you know, the, the NECA ones are just so much more modern and, and more authentic, at least the faces. But these, when you combine them with the body and the posture, these are just fantastic. So he's, he's another one of these that I had to put uh, a little heel supports. Now, the final figure of the first film, uh, not sure if it came out as part of an entire wave or if they broke the first film into two waves, not sure. But the final figure that I have for that is Lucius. Now, if you remember, Lucius is the, I think he was the nephew of Cornelius or Zira or something like that. He is a younger ape. Physically, he actually looks a little shorter than uh, uh, Zira and Cornelius. His face looks a little bit different, but they're, they're Pretty similar looking. The articulation on this particular figure is your basic chimpanzee articulation. You have your head, your shoulders, and a slight waist. He is wearing the same kind of tunic, if you will, uniform tunic that uh, chimps wear in Planet of the Apes, the green with the brown bib section. No accessories for this character. It's a pretty plain figure. You know, nothing fancy about him, but it's a good thing that they actually bothered to make him. It's a little surprising to me that they actually went that far and gave you an additional chimpanzee that was not super, super important. Then, as we move in the films, uh, when we now get to beneath the planet of the apes, you have General Ursus. Now, he is a really cool-looking character. He looks different. To me, he looks better than the soldiers, because the soldiers have this slight shine to their coat, to their hair. General Ursus is wearing that helmet that we see in the film, that huge, tall helmet. He is much taller than even the regular 
guerrilla soldiers and, and most of the other apes. He's, again, not as tall as Taylor, because I, I keep saying Taylor, they did him a little too tall. Uh, he's wearing a different type of armor, you know, because he's general, obviously. And what's cool is they gave him a little sidearm that you can remove from the holster and he can actually hold it. And it's 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 not very, very detailed. I mean, it's got a little bit of detail on it, but I believe just like with the rifle, it is also supposed to be made completely, almost completely out of wood with the metal hiding inside. Very nice looking, very, you know, threatening looking character. Very good job. He is one of the best ones of the line. Now, you could kind of say, because I mentioned it earlier, that the lawgiver, which, by the way, the lawgiver is packaged as the greatest ape. That's the name of the of how they package it, the statue. This one, I believe they can kind of cluster him with Beneath, because in Beneath you have... Few scenes, I think, where the apes are seeing this apparition of the lawgiver, and remember, there's like blood coming out of his eyes, and it's 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 a, it's a hallucination that's being projected to scare them. And even I th- I could be wrong, but I think even in the film itself, there might be a statue somewhere that they actually see of that. But anyway, this particular one, obviously, in the film, I think it's supposed to be gigantic, and it's again to scare them. Here, like I mentioned earlier, it, it's not. It's about the size of uh, of Taylor, maybe a little taller, slightly. Again, I'm not entirely sure how many waves were involved in this. And a lot of these websites, they seem to group them in manner of movies. So, for example, these three come from this movie. These four come from that movie. You know, that kind of thing. Next, we move on to Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And this particular cluster of figures is just three. It is the three apes in their space uniforms. Now, what they did, which is interesting and a little bit disappointing, is that, first of all, you have the three apes in astronaut suits. Now, the sculpts. Let's talk about the sculpts. Milo and Cordelius have pretty similar sculpts. There's a few details that are a little different in the boots. The wrinkles are different. So the style of the uniform is is similar, but one is slightly bigger than the other because Cornelius is a little taller than Milo. So that's good. The astronaut suit itself looks a little bit weathered, so that's kind of good too. Zira has a slightly smaller sculpted astronaut suit. It is pretty much the same, except for some reason they didn't weather hers at all. The other two characters, they put a little time into weathering them a little bit. Which is interesting. Why would they stop and not weather hers? I don't know. The articulation is the same on all three. You have head, arms, and waist. However, the positioning of the arms are different on a few of them. So let's take a look. Zira's arms go straight down. It's like she's standing with her with her arms dropped down. Cornelius has the arms bent forward, so he could be kind of holding something. Okay. And Milo, same thing. His arms are slightly forward, not as high up as Cornelius, but about halfway there. So at least you could technically say they all have different arm sculpts. Okay, I'll buy that. Zira's gloves are much darker than the other two apes. Not sure why. And like I mentioned earlier, she has almost no weathering. Cornelius has a little weathering, but Milo has... A heck of a lot more weathering. Don't understand why. The head for Zira is pretty much Zira's head. They might have just tweaked it just a little bit so it's easier for her to fit. And obviously the the hair might have probably is trimmed a little bit because you have to kind of tuck it inside the, the astronaut suit. Cornelius's face, exactly the same face as before we saw on the other on the other one. Again, with the hair, they might have trimmed it a little tiny bit. Milos's head, I'm looking at it, and to me. It looks practically identical to Cornelius's head. Now, on second viewing here, when I compare Cornelius, astronaut Cornelius, to plain Cornelius, there's also a very big difference. The head is much smaller. It looks to me as if they had to shrink the head in order to be able to fit into that size of a astronaut suit. However, it looks more like it. It resembles more the Cornelius figure. But for Milo, I don't understand why they were not able to duplicate his facial features as good as they did with Cornelius. And if you put them side to side, to me, they look practically identical. All three of them come with helmets, which is really cool. 
And just like in the movie, the front visor is completely dark, so you can't see in them, so they have to remove them. And what I, what you can do as far as posing them is that you can take two of them. You can take Cornelius and Milo and have them hold the helmets while they're standing there. That's a good way of posing them. However, with Zira, because her arms, for whatever reason, they decided to have them go straight down, you cannot do that. So for Zira, you have an option. You can either leave the helmet on the floor or put the helmet on her. And uh, what I've been doing is, in the way that I've been displaying them, is I put the helmet on her. So at least one character has the helmet on and the other two characters are holding their helmets. Now, what you also have for Beneath is another version of your soldier, your ape soldier, which looks remarkably very similar to the one from that we just mentioned from Planet of the Apes, except that he's holding a different weapon. He seems to have a machine gun type of weapon. Again, it's these wooden made machine guns. And he has a slightly longer beard. But the uniform and the, everything else looks almost exactly the same. This one is considered to be the B Soldier Ape B, as far as collectors go. But on the package, it is just labeled as Soldier Ape just like the first one we talked about. So packaging-wise, it's kind of hard to tell the difference what you're getting into as far as the name of the character. Next up, you have Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, one of my favorite of all the ape films. And here's one that's a little complicated. <laughs> what you have here is, first of all, Prisoner Caesar. Now, Prisoner Caesar is basically... Caesar wearing a green jumpsuit, not the green outfits that we see in Planet of the Apes, because those were, again, manufactured by them. But this is more something that was manufactured by human beings. And it's basically a green jumpsuit. He's wearing a, a neck restraint and a chain dangles from it. He also comes with the accessory of a what looks like an M16 rifle, because later in the film, you know, obviously they get weapons. Then they also have, as part of that particular series, a militant chimp, which looks a little bit like Caesar. And again, remember, Caesar is supposed to look like Cornelius, but his face is a little different. They at least put a little effort into, into making it look a little bit different. And he is holding a completely modern of the time machine gun type of uh, weapon. What's interesting about these characters is that if you, again, if you remember from the film, they're all kind of hunched over a little bit because this is a period, I guess, in time where we're seeing the, the evolution from ape to standing, walking upright ape. So during the film, you you know, you do remember a lot of them are kind of hunched over and walking slightly down, which is something that, you know, when you get time-wise to, to the future, they are walking a little more erect. Next up, you have Caesar once again. Some websites describe him as a militant chimp, but the packaging says Caesar. So theoretically, you have two Caesars. You have a Caesar... With the chain on the neck and the M16 rifle, and now you have a Caesar that does not have the chain, but it is holding a automatic machine gun type of weapon. The head sculpt looks pretty close to Caesar, but it looks a little different, which is probably why a lot of people confuse him for a different character. So I don't know if it's a mistake that they made on the labeling of the character on the package, because you figured if you are going to create two Caesars, Here's your chance to use the head twice. But for whatever reason, they used a slightly different head sculpt. To me, it looks different. So it's hard to see which way to go on this. Is the character the same but slightly different heads? Or are they two different characters purposely with the different head sculpts? Hard to say. If you go with the packaging, these are two Caesars. Why would they make two Caesars? It seems kind of odd, doesn't it? He's wearing the same suit. He's almost in the same pose. You know, the arms are slightly a little bit different. The, the hands are pointing in a different direction. But why would you bother, you know, to go to all this trouble just to create two of the same, more or less? Again, again, you know, when it comes to variants and that whole, you know, why would you repaint Cornelius? You know, again, it goes back to that mindset. So I'm not entirely sure which way it was. I'm going with the packaging. I'm saying it's two Caesars, but I understand the argument of, no, it's not two Caesars. It's two different characters. Got it. Then the last one for Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is what on the card is labeled as Caesar Lands Ape. Now, I know exactly what this figure is. It's the gorilla version of the ape from that film. He's wearing a red jumpsuit. 
He has a rifle as an accessory and a police riot gear shield. He is hunched over just like the other two Caesar versions. Now, this figure is clearly labeled on the package as Caesar Land's Ape, which is a little confusing because you could kind of read it as this is Caesar and he's the Land's Ape, but he's obviously not Caesar. He's a gorilla. So I guess it's supposed to be Caesar Land's Ape. Caesar Land's Ape. Again, it, it's a very confusing statement. This should have been labeled what some people refer to as militant ape because he's not a soldier. We're not in that time period yet. He's a gorilla. We know that most of these gorillas gravitate towards the military and end up in a soldier or general kind of mode. So I guess militant ape would be a, a better description. Again, I, I don't exactly understand Caesar Land's ape. That's a weird one. But anyway, the figure itself is a three-point of articulation figure. The same body that Caesar has because he has that jumpsuit, obviously painted differently. They repainted the body so he's, it's a red outfit. The hands are painted dark brown because that's the color for the gorilla figures. He has a gorilla head, probably a reuse, I imagine, from any of the earlier gorillas, you know, the soldier gorillas. His accessories include a rifle, a shotgun kind of rifle, and a shield from, I guess, the police, a riot shield. He has the same posture as the uh, Caesar figures because it is that time period where the apes have not completely become more fully erect, which is very interesting. He is one of my favorite looking ones because it's just that the color pops. I, I, that's one of the things I loved about that film, and, and it is slowly becoming one of my favorite of all of them, the original anyway. It is such a different color to have in, in, in this palette that we're used to seeing. You know, we're used to seeing these, these greens and browns and blacks and, you know, very dark colors. And all of a sudden, when you see a red, it kind of pops at you. So I really enjoy that. Next, we have Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Now here, this is my least favorite of all the films, uh, unfortunately. And for them, they've made two figures. The first one is a Caesar, which is... A very Corneliusy looking Caesar, obviously just like other ones. He still has that mean face <laughs> that I, I, I wish they would have tweaked a little, especially for the Cornelius figure. Uh, I understand the Caesar figure being a little more angry, but even for battle, I wish he would have been a little happier because uh, he is a little more content, even though there's a lot of problems. But anyway, he is wearing pretty much the same outfit that Cornelius wears. You know, we're kind of heading in towards that direction where they're slowly stripping themselves of humanity's uh, symbols, let's say. So they're no longer wearing the jumpsuits they're wearing now. The more traditional, at least the chimpanzee version of their costume. Four points of articulation. Well, really three points. The waist is almost practically non-moving, but it is a separate part. No more shoes. Now they're Basically, now that I don't remember that for sure, I don't remember if they actually had shoes or they were or they were barefoot. I really don't remember. But you do see that there's a difference in the feet now. The posture is funny because what they've done here is they made him a little more erect, a little more standing straight, but not as straight as Cornelius or Zira. So again, the the attention to detail here is incredible. How much detail they were able to put and how much thinking and care they were able to put into the fact that, you know, they are evolving. They're slowly evolving. Even though it is the same character, he's not hunched forward as much as he used to be. Now he's a little more straight. The other figure that comes in this set is General Aldo. What they did with General Aldo is basically a soldier, your generic soldier body, but they gave him a different head. It's still a gorilla head, and it's slightly modified, I think. I mean, it's really hard to tell the difference. The placement of the hair is a little different. The nose might be a little more coming out. It is very subtle. You gotta also remember, by this time in the movie, you know, the budgets were getting smaller, and they didn't have as much money to produce all the props and costumes that they normally would have had. So... Even though he's a general, he's not as distinctive as the earlier general that we saw, General Arsas. You know, he doesn't have some of the specific things that that other general had. Not as much padding and armor that he's wearing to make himself look different. He doesn't have that big hat, the big helmet, you know. They, they kind of chinsed out on it. But unfortunately, I think the problem is because the movie cheaped out on a lot of the possible props and things they could have put on him, the figure has to reflect that. So it was an easy... 
uh, I don't want to call it a repaint, but it was an easy one to kind of make without having to be too specific and having to go out and sculpt things very, you know, different. Uh, he does come with an accessory. He has a, a machine gun, which is a, it's a modern machine gun, modern for the time. And I guess it's supposed to signify that they're still in this transitionary period where they have not completely gotten rid themselves of all of the human influence. They still seem to have at least some weapons that are reminiscent of their captivity period. The costume does have, to make them look a little different than the typical soldier, is the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, I think it's, I'm going to call it a bib, which is a, a, a circular thing that is draped over the shoulders and the front of the chest and kind of surrounds the top, which is something that the other general had. I guess that makes him a little more, again, it, it, to me it feels like they're going into a prop store and they're like, give me something that makes him look different. Here, put try this on. And they put it on and like, perfect, go, <laughs> start shooting. So I get that feeling from looking at this particular figure. Now, the final wave, and again, keep in mind, I don't remember if these came out in waves because I didn't get them at, in any sort of ways. But as you cluster them into where they come from, I'm going to call this the last wave because this is the one that came from the television show. Once again, we have two figures from the television show. They give us a soldier and a general. Now, the soldier is labeled as ape soldier, but it's also referred as amongst certain circles as soldier ape C. Now, what makes him a little different is that he has, the body is the same as a regular soldier. The head is pretty much the same, I'm going to say. Uh, but what they did is they repainted him in a different way so he looks a little different. So this was a cheap, easy one for them to make. They were able to recycle a number of items, including the, uh, the, the rifle, which is the same rifle as the original ape soldier, the billy club. Again, recycling old weapons. But the repaint is what's interesting. They gave him a lighter color pants. The shirt is a little bit of a different color brown. And also painted on the chest of the uniform is a big M. A big wide M in the front. Which is accurate, if you will. Because uh, in the show, you do see some of these soldiers with this big old M, you know, in, in their costume. And, and once again... To me, it seems as if, how do we make this look different? The production people were like, well, we have the same costumes. What are we going to do? Just put a big old M on it. I don't know why, what it stands for. Maybe it's not even a letter. Maybe it's just a design. Who knows? But it looks like they, they did that. And obviously, you have to copy that if you're making a figure. Now, what is completely unusual about this figure and the next one I'm going to talk about is the fact that for their heads, even though it looks to me like they're recycling older gorilla heads, they chose, for some weird reason, to paint their faces lighter, a lighter skin tone, almost chimpanzee skin tones, which in the show, they did not have that. In the show, they, again, they're recycling uh, masks and they're recycling costumes, but at least the masks stayed the same color. So I have no clue. Why would they go to the trouble of coloring them differently it just doesn't make sense granted the more similar they look to the you know repurposed sculpts that they're using the, the more identical that they're going to look and people might say wait wait a minute this is just a repaint all they did is repainted the pants so you could say that maybe that's the reason why they went in that direction i don't know and that is something that also follows with the following character which is general aldo again from the television show what they did with Aldo is, it's even more interesting, because what they did is, when you compare him to General Ursus, they took, I think, General Ursus's legs, repainted the pants a, a different shade of brown like the soldier. They took a soldier chest, kept it black. They took General Ursus's arms and stripped away the shoulder pauldrons, but kept the, the wrist pauldrons, I guess, or I don't know what you would call them, gauntlets, I don't know. They kept the, uh, the bib, the circular bib around the neck. They kept the helmet and they kept the head. The helmet slightly repainted. The head, again, skin tones. They went for the skin tones. So, you know, it, it's unusual what they did. I mean, you have to admire the fact that they were able to duplicate certain things so well. But then at the last minute, somebody said, change the skin tone. It has to look different because it's, it's looking a little too much like the original other action figure, I guess. And the, once again, the uh, accessory, which is the weapon, which is the ape machine gun, is exactly the same as the one uh, for the other soldier 
that was produced. I guess it's called the Bee Soldier. So it, it is interesting, you know, which direction they went. Just like we mentioned earlier, we do have certain figures that are considered to be a little rarer than others. The soldier apes are probably the, the most rare because of the fact that they've produced so many different ones. And there's an A, you know, the regular version. Then there's a B version, which is the, the, the other one I talked about earlier, which is a, practically exactly the same, except he has a longer beard and a different weapon. And then the Caesar that I mentioned also in the beginning, which has a, a darker costume, which again, I can't really identify what that costume pertains to. But that was the end of the line. A couple more things I want to talk about is the packaging. The packaging is very interesting and, and, and very smart in a way. If you are the type of person that doesn't want to open up the figures, there is a way of displaying some of these in a way where if you connect the packages, the cards, you know, from the front, they create a, a, a mural in a way. Uh, there's a set of, I guess you can call them portraits that you can put together so that they kind of create this, this, this mural which is kind of neat. I think you when, when it's all said and done, you end up having like two different murals from the six different waves of figures that were put out. You know, obviously some of them are repetitive, but it's again, it's a little, it's a bonus, a little feature, I guess, if you uh, if you never opened your your packages and didn't damage them, didn't damage the card. Now there are a number of characters, I guess. They could have made, I guess, you know, they could have done a few more characters if this line would have continued. Um, let's see, from the original film, I would say the other astronauts could have been characters, either in their astronaut suits or in their more caveman-looking suits. Maybe a couple of other orangutans from the court scene, that would have been interesting. But again, they're probably way too close-looking and not that important. And beneath the Planet of the Apes, obviously James Franciscus's character, is that Brent? I think it's Brent. He should have been made in both forms once again. You could have even had another Taylor figure uh, of him imprisoned. But most important from that movie, the mutants, the masked and unmasked mutants. That's the ones they could have really gone crazy with. Uh, you know, make a few of those. That would have been really, really cool. And what's ironic now is that with this reaction company that is doing the three and three quarter versions of these figures, I believe I've seen some pictures of some prototypes that they are going to be introducing in the future. A couple of new characters, including the mutants. So... That is one thing that I'm going to kind of have to, you know, break my collecting. You know, I was pretty much thought I was done. I wasn't going to go into a new line. But because of those figures, I just want to get just those to kind of complement the ones that I already have. I Even though I know they don't match size-wise, but they are just something that they would, it would be perfect. Again, for this film, the mutants would have been great. Even the other astronaut with Brent would have been interesting. But again, it's, that's kind of going a little, a little too far, obviously. Okay, for Escape from the Planet of the Apes, there's another one they could have gone a little further. Obviously, Zira and Cornelius, uh, you have them, all of them wearing the astronaut outfits. And we do, we can theoretically say that the costumes from the original film are the same ones, which they kind of are. Uh, same thing with Milo. You know, Milo, even though Milo dies <laughs> uh, at, at the zoo, he never makes it that far. However, Ricardo Moltenvon's character, Armando, he would have been perfect for this one. He could have had, you know, a regular suit like he does in the, in, in the film. Cornelius and Zero, they could have put him in, in human clothes. There's a, there's a number of shots, you know, scenes where they're wearing human clothes when they're being brought out there to walk around. So that, that could have been another interesting costume change. I mean, again, I know it's a new, it would have to be a new sculpt, but you know what? It's part of the movie. Also here, I think what they could have done is brought in the character of... You know, the scientists, uh, the, the man and the woman that are helping them, even though it's kind of a little out there. And also the, the bad guy scientist, the guy that's figuring out this time loop that eventually ends up killing them. He could have been brought in as a, as a bad guy character. Again, it's a guy in a suit, nothing special about him, you know, not, not, nothing too exciting. But yeah, I mean, I get it why they didn't go that deep in the line. Plus, they also could have included a little baby chimp because that would have been Caesar or... At the time, they, it was Baby Milo. So that could have been a little bonus one, too. For Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, like I said, it's probably my favorite one, I think, at this point. Armando returns, different costume, different, you know, different look, so they could have made him again. The president. The president's advisor. Is it Austin Stoker, I think is the actor's name? You know, they could have had him. You know, he's an important, he's a very important character here. 
They could have made other chimps. There was a female chimp uh, love interest, if you will, for Caesar. They could have made her. So there, there was room for more. There's also the, uh, like the, uh, I forget if, I don't know if it's the CIA or, or the interrogator, the guy that then flips over to the next film. Uh, they could have made him too. The guy that's uh, one of the guys that's interrogating Armando that when Armando dies. So they could have done him. That would have been an interesting one. And for Battle for the Planet of the Apes, again, as you guys know, not my favorite one, my least favorite one. Some of these characters carried over. So you do have, like I said before, Austin Stoker's character, the beginnings of the uh, of, of the mutants, the, the pre-mutant mutants, including that, that interrogator from the previous film. You know, they could have thrown him in the mix, too. That's a possibility. But I understand how, as the films became less popular, at least with this toy line, they, they kind of shot for the, the, the top. They went for the top, top, top kind of characters because they didn't want to... You know, they never know how long these things could last. So I, I see why they went with what they went. But it's nice to theorize about, you know, what the future of this line could have been. You know, like I said, you, they could have had, they could easily have made at least two or three more characters per film. Easily. But unfortunately, this is where the line ended. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, you know, this line faded and other lines came. Tim Burton's film, later on, the NECA stuff, you know, the, which is fantastic. And, and now we have reaction at the same time, too. So, again, when you are looking to starting a Planet of the Apes action figure line to collect, it is completely up to you. If you are a completist, you know, if you're if you're really, like, you know, deep, deep into Planet of the Apes, you're probably going to want it all. You want to got, you want to probably, you probably want your Mikos all the way to what's happening now. But if you have to pick and choose, I would still, I think, recommend this, not just because I have it, but because the Mikos are too expensive. The, the originals are way too expensive to find them in good shape. You know, they're the originals. They're very expensive. These are the next ones that came. They were not that crazy expensive. If you're looking for just cheap, I would suggest go for the Tim Burton ones because those nobody seems to want, even though some of them are fantastic. Some of them are just beautiful looking, how detailed they are. But the movie was a more or less a flop, I guess. I mean, it wasn't a hit. Uh, so the figures just kind of languished out there on the pegs. After that, if you want uh, a very modern representation and you don't mind spending modern prices, I say go for the NECA. The NECA ones are gorgeous. They do have an advantage over these that I'm, uh, over the Medicoms, you know, the ones that I talked about today. Um, like I said, the head sculpts are much better. They're larger. They're definitely more points of articulation, very poseable. However, they are not as accurate looking body-wise, I would say, as the Metacoms, because the Metacoms, by not having that articulation, they can then sculpt them exactly in the pose that they want them posed as. So there is an advantage, I would say. And if you want that retro look, then go for the reactions. You know, these are figures that were never intended, I believe, to be made in that size, but it is part of that reaction look of trying to vintage size, if you will, if that's a word, it's probably not. You know, if you want to put out a product in a vintage-looking style, that's perfect for that. They're not going to be as detailed because that's part of that style. They're going to be smaller. But the advantage is that it looks like now they're digging a little deeper into the characters that were never made, you know, at least in this particular line that I own. So you do have plenty of choices out there. And as usual, and everything falls down to how much money you want to spend, how hard is it to find, and then it becomes also room. How much room do you have? Because, uh, you know, it's really difficult to display these. These are part of my revolving display area that I have here in my office, which is uh, an area that I have that every now and then I'll just put out a whole new wave of something. And they'll stay for like a month or two so I can enjoy them, you know, reacquaint myself with them and be able to do a show like this. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We went pretty deep into the Medicom line of Planet of the Apes action figures. As I've talked about this, there are so many different companies involved in the Planet of the Apes action figure lines. You know, from the original Miko ones to um, you know Hasbro got got their hands in them. Medicom got their hands in them. Uh, now Reaction and NECA have their hands in them too. Everybody producing some really good good material. These are the ones that I have more or less a full collection of, but even the more modern stuff, as I mentioned, it is 
some really, really gorgeous looking stuff coming out. And I cannot wait to get my hands on even the reaction version of the mutants. I wish, I really wish they would make a few more of these, but obviously this line is over and done. And this particular scale is also pretty much over and done because the reactions are much smaller and the NECAs are much bigger. The NECAs are more like the like the Migos, I think. They're they're kind of closer to that size. But this is one that, you know, to this day, even with the beautiful NECA ones that are out, I still think they are a better interpretation, a better capture of the essence and the image of these characters from such a huge, huge classic sci-fi franchise. So, on behalf of everybody here, thank you for listening, and we will see you here soon at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. A virus from space kills all dogs and cats on the Earth. 1985, chimpanzees and gorillas are adopted as pets. The pets evolve into slaves, beaten and tortured victims of mankind. And now, a chimpanzee rises to give the word for the revolt of the apes. My people will plot for the inevitable day of man's downfall. And that day is upon you. No! Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. It's all new, the biggest and most exciting ape picture yet, as a world of apes battles for domination of planet Earth. The Conquest of the Planet of the Apes from 20th Century Fox, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. The most awesome spectacle in the annals of science fiction. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com, or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2018. <laughs>